0: And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. I know uh, you were probably looking at the passage that we read earlier and thought, I thought we were in Romans, what in the world is going on? Because as Baptists, we don't like change. Okay, apparently we got some non-Baptists here in this room, which by the way, welcome. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as As Baptists, we don't like changing. We've been going through the book of Romans. We were in Romans chapter 4 last week. And we were going through, and, and, and Paul was making the argument that Abraham was not made righteous by his works. That Abraham was made righteous by his faith. And so this obviously brings up the question then of, What do you mean Abraham was not made righteous by his works? Well, Paul lays out his argument and says that, no, that, that God saved Abraham and because of his, his faith in God, he was made righteous apart from his works. And this question of what righteousness looks like and, and, and how do we obtain righteousness is always one that we, you know, we struggle with. Even Martin Luther himself, uh, the great reformer, was looking through the book of James and did not know how to reconcile the book of James with Paul's writings here in Romans because James talks about how uh, our obedience to God causes us to do good works. It's out of our righteousness that we do good works. And, and Martin Luther thought, thought that that kind of put too much emphasis on works and so he he really struggled with that dichotomy how is that how does those two relate uh, and, and so the question then comes down to for us, if, if someone like Martin Luther, who, who studied so much, hey, Lindsay and Everett here, I just saw him, hey, how y'all doing? Hey, congratulations, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like a dog. It's like, ooh, shiny thing. Um, but the question we have to ask then is, uh, if Martin Luther struggled with this, the understanding, the idea of what, our, uh, what faith and works looks like, then what hope is there for us? Right? Well, what does that mean for us? Uh, I don't know if if you're like me. uh, I'm not what you would call a handyman. Uh, as a matter of fact I'm the opposite the, the the one great thing that I can do real well is call the guy to come fix anything that I need uh, and, and so a lot of times people look at me and, and say well that's that a man's thing is to go fix stuff and, and I guess that's just probably something that we as a society have placed on masculinity and, and the stuff that I can fix I can fix real well you come to me you have a software issue I can I can handle that with no problem uh, but you come to me and you tell me, hey, I need you to build a shed, it will be falling down at some point, if not immediately after I finish. Uh, And so, uh, you know, going in seminary, uh, there was one thing that I did not have a lot of, and that was money. And calling the guy is expensive. And so uh, there is this great tool, I don't know if you ever heard of this, called YouTube. YouTube. And so I have learned many a skill going on YouTube. I was just talking to Corey this morning about how I learned how to tie a tie through a YouTube video. Uh, I've rewired my dryer due to a YouTube video. I have done some minor electrical work. Let me say minor because I'm not that confident in my skill. Uh, But I've done some minor electrical work because of YouTube University. And the fact is, is I'm really good at seeing, especially if they have exactly the same layout as I have, seeing what a person does and then mimic exactly what they do. And that is how I normally fix stuff around my house. Thank goodness now I have a little extra money that I can now call a guy if I need to on some things. Not enough to call on everything, but you know on some things. Uh, and so because of that, uh, I've I've learned many skills. Uh, I've, I've had people come up to me and go, "You know a lot of stuff," and I go, "No, I just know a lot about this one specific thing." Uh, but the fact is, is that many of us learn by mimicking. Right? We go through jobs, and and most of the time when you first get to a job, what do you do? You train. You see how someone does the very task that you're going to be told to do, and then you do what they tell you to do, and because of that, you end up accomplishing that task. And so when we are here, we're here in Genesis today, and the reason why we're here in Genesis is we are going to YouTube University on what does righteous obedience look like? And that needs to be the question we need to ask. What does righteous obedience look like? How does does works fit in with this understanding? Because let's face it, we really do know what fearful obedience looks like. Many times we come to church in order to obtain some sort of blessing, not because of obligation, but because of fear of what would it mean if we did not do that thing. We come to church because we're scared of what that would mean if we don't show up, whether that be societal uh, uh, implications in our lives, right? What, what would people begin to think about us? How will people within the church begin to think about us? Or perhaps we even have this idea that God is just waiting for us to mess up so that way He can spell out His wrath upon us. And the truth is, is that both of those are lies, And so since both of those are lies, then what does righteous obedience look like? We're looking at uh, Genesis chapter 22, probably one of the more famous passages of Abraham's life. So Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, he is the one who in Genesis chapter 12 was called out by God to leave his homeland and go to a land which God would tell him, not because of Abraham's faithful obedience to God previous to that, But instead we see that Abraham was merely living and God's providence, called him out of his homeland and brought him to the land of Canaan. And it was through that that we see that Abraham and his wife Sarah go through many trials, many tribulations. And and most of the time, let's face it, up until Genesis chapter 22, Abraham failed a lot. Abraham was not perfect at all, but Abraham tried to follow the Lord in faith. He he, he did everything he could to follow the Lord in faith. And though he failed... He is known as one of the most faithful men in Scripture. The reason why I can tell you that is because Paul immediately brings him up in his argument in Romans chapter 4 uh, when he says that uh, we are not saved by our works but instead we are saved through the providence of God through through because of righteousness that God uh, puts upon us. Abraham is a perfect picture of that. You see, Abraham was not like Noah where all of the people were evil and the only one who followed God in his time was Noah. Instead, we see that Abraham was literally called out. More than likely was a pagan just like the rest of his kinfolk and yet God in his faithful Providence to us, but despite ourselves, despite Abraham, called him out of Ur and called him to be obedient to him. And we come to Genesis chapter 22, which follows Genesis 15. In Genesis 15, we have the Abrahamic covenant where God says, I'm going to make you, out of you, many nations, that there will be uh, as many offspring as the sand on the sea, the stars in the sky. And, and, and out of this promise, then we get to Genesis 22, where Abraham has this offspring that is going to be the fulfillment of this covenant made in Genesis 15, that is his son Isaac. And we see here that Abraham is being tested by God, as it says in verse uh, verse 1. And so we see here that he's tested, and what we're going to see here is that Abraham was obedient due to his faith in God. Abraham was obedient due to his faith in God. And so the question that we need to be looking at through this is, how can we apply this to our lives? Now, hopefully none of us have to go through the exact same thing uh, as here. Hopefully none of us have to mimic what Abraham is going to uh, have to do here. But we can look at Abraham's account and see where he succeeded and learn from those successes. And so verses 1 through 9, we see that Abraham obeys. We see that, that God begins to test Abraham, and he calls him in verse 1. He says, Abraham, and Abraham says, here am I. In verse 2, he says, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer, there, offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, of which I shall tell you. This is no small task this is a big task. Uh, I, I was listening to R.C. Sproul when he was talking about this passage. He's, he likened it to a, a story about his dog. Uh, he had a dog uh, named Hosanna who was very faithful to him. Anytime he would lecture, Hosanna would be right at his feet, just ready to always be petted. Uh, it was just a very faithful dog. And then all of a sudden, the dog started having convulsions. Uh, he'd have a, a convulsion one day, and then skip a day, have a convulsion. And then all of a sudden, started having him every day. And then after that, multiple times a day he took him to the vet multiple times they kept giving medicine after medicine trying to make sure they could do whatever they could to to keep the convulsions down and finally the vet turned to rc and says listen we have done everything we possibly can the most humane thing that you can do for this dog is to put him to sleep And R.C. was on his way home because he said, I need to talk to my wife about this. He was on his way home. He was talking to his wife and him and his wife determined that, yes, that that was the best thing to do. However, R.C. looked at his wife and said, this dog has been so faithful to me. How in the world can I drive him to the vet knowing that I'm driving him to his death? And so he agonized over this, and finally R.C. Sproul, being a professor and having many students that, that sat under him, told his wife, said, listen, one day, don't tell me when, have one of my students come and take the dog to the vet and put him down, and then let me know afterwards. Two days later, his wife comes up to him and says, Hosanna has been put to sleep. But R.C. agonized at the idea of, of this faithful dog of his, the one that was always at his feet, the one that was always there listening to him, the one that was always there whenever he was in despair and he could uh, that loved him to death because, let's face it, dogs love us to death. They're the best pets in the world. They're not like cats. Cats are selfish. But dogs will always be by your side, right? How can he take this faithful pet and know that he's taking him to his death? Now impose this on Abraham. Abraham now is called to take his son and take him to his death. Now what's interesting is that Abraham does not agonize over this. Abraham does does not ponder this for a few days. Let me let me go to the deer stand and, and you know a couple afternoons and decide, you know, what's what's going to happen here, go fishing. Instead, we see that in verse 3, that Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, got his men together, got the supplies together, and took off. There was an immediacy to Abraham's obedience to what God has called him to do. And so, church, let me tell you this one thing right here. What does obedient, uh, righteous obedience look like? It is immediate. It is immediate. And let's face it, most of the time whenever we look at our uh, task that's before us, we like to hesitate, right? Do we really want to do this thing? Is this something we really want to do? Is this something that perhaps we should sit and weigh about and pray about, right? That sounds pretty churchy, right? Let me just pray about this first. No, God has called us to a task. We must respond immediately. That is what we are called to do. And so Abraham here responds immediately. Now your first thought you might be saying is, well, maybe Isaac was just a punk, right? Maybe Isaac was just a little annoying. I got a, I got a newborn at home. Wait, don't you. I got a newborn at home uh, and, and she's been crying a lot. Now, I love that little girl to death. It's amazing you know, what's instilled in, in a parent you know, right at the moment of birth. But the other day, I was on the phone with David, and, and she was crying. And I mean, she wasn't just like, meh, meh, crying. I mean, sound like a bunch of pigs being slaughtered by velociraptors. I mean, she, she was going at it. Uh, and Thorne was sitting off to the side, and I got off the phone with David, and Thorne looked at me and said, Daddy, I don't think she likes you. <laughs> I, uh, true that, son. I, you know, the evidence right now suggests that that might be accurate. Uh, but, but I try to tell him, you know, listen, babies aren't like you. You know, you, they they can't talk. You know, right? The only thing they know to get attention is to scream, and she's really good at it. And so that's that's why she's doing what she's doing. And he said, Well, I'm going to teach her to talk, and i like, Hey, you go right on and do that, man. More power to you. But let's face it. Most of the time when we think of Isaac here, we might think, well maybe there's something in the background that that helps Abraham in his obedience here. Maybe there's something that Abraham despises about Isaac, but let's not forget that in verse 2, God tells Abraham, "Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and take him to the mountain which I will show you." This is hard obedience. This is difficult obedience. And yet we see that Abraham obeys immediately, Also, we notice here that Abraham begins to immediately gather the stuff together. Notice that this was not something foreign to Abraham. Uh, Going and making sacrifice, going and worshiping God was not something that was foreign to Abraham. Indeed, this was, in fact, something he did on the regular. He immediately knew what supplies he needed. He immediately knew what he needed to gather in order to make the sacrifice. Let's face it. Probably most of the time, the reason why we struggle with obedience is because we don't know what it looks like to be faithful, because it's not something we do on the regular. We need to make sure that we are doing everything we can at all times in order to be obedient to the Lord. We need to make sure that we are faithful uh, to the Lord. We need to make sure that we are following the Lord at every moment. Because let's face it, the most of the time the moments that we struggle with following the Lord, it's because we haven't followed the Lord for a very long time. You don't see Billy Graham backing out of too many things. You see him diving headfirst. As a matter of fact, you read his biography, he dives headfirst pretty much into everything. You don't see him stopping too many times to think. Why? Because it was habit for him to follow. Is following the Lord on a daily basis a habit for you? Or is it something that just comes along on Sundays and possibly on Wednesdays? We see here in verse 5 that Abraham then uh, uh, tells his, his young men, he says, stay here. And notice what he says here in this passage. I, I don't know if you caught it when Eric read it. He says, stay here. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come back to you. He doesn't say, I'm going to be going alone. He says, we are going to be coming back. Which tells us you know, that Abraham was expecting something to happen right? Because if, if this is the son of which all the promises that God gave Abraham since he left his homeland, if all those promises are secure in Isaac, Isaac at this moment is not married, he doesn't have kids, and if he dies, all of those promises are gone. But Abraham knows that God is faithful, and so when, when Abraham receives this, he's expecting something to take place. Something's gonna happen. When God calls us to something, something is going to take place. Perhaps Abraham has no idea of what to expect, but he knows that, hey, God is faithful, God is true, God is sovereign, and when God has called him to do this thing, especially after the fact that he said all of this hinges on this son, that this son has got to come back. Either he's gonna be stopped or perhaps a miracle is going to take place. But yet we see that Abraham has complete faithfulness in what God's covenant promises were to him in Genesis chapter 15. He says, "I and the boy will come back." And so they take the wood of the burnt offering, He lays it on Isaac, and they begin to walk. And then Isaac turns to him and says, uh, Dad?" And everyone's like, "Yeah, ma'am, what's up?" Isaac says, "Oh, we have the wood." We have the fire. We got the knife. I believe we're missing one of the most important components of this sacrifice. Where is the lamb? Right, and you might be saying, "Well, maybe this is just Isaac kind of foreign." You got to remember, at this time, child sacrifice for blessing was very popular. As a matter of fact, later on, we'll read about Baal and how the people of Israel got caught in Baal worship, and we see that one of the main things uh, that Baal brought, you know, uh, you know, according to you know Baalism, you know, if you will, uh, was that Baal brought in good harvests. And in order to achieve good harvests, it was not uncommon for farmers to sacrifice their firstborn in order to cure this promise from Baal for a good harvest. Child sacrifice, human sacrifice was known to happen at this time. And so Isaac here is talking to his daddy and says, yo, did we forget the sacrifice? You can see here that Isaac is sitting here questioning what's going on because notice this, this is a major component of the sacrifice. He got all the other stuff together But yet we see that he has forgotten this one component. So this was off Abraham's character for Isaac to point it out. But notice, too, what Abraham says. He says, God will provide for himself the lamb. You see, Abraham's faithfulness here was also an example of faithfulness for his son Isaac. Isaac follows his father's faithfulness now as a matter of fact, we, we see verses 10, uh, uh, excuse me, verse 9, we see that Abraham then builds the altar and lays down his son Isaac. Now, Abraham is, is not, you know, a specimen of physique like me. Uh, instead, he probably looks more like Dave, just, you know, old, wore down, you know, just, you know, not, <laughs> not strong at all. And so, more than likely, I, I mean, let's face it, more than likely, Isaac could easily overcome overpower his father and get away. Isaac definitely had a say in whether or not he that day was going to be sacrificed, and yet we see that Isaac allows his father to bind him up. We see that Isaac is faithful just in this. Why? Because he has been taught faithfulness since the beginning of his birth. Parents, we just had a baby dedication. Are you displaying faithfulness to your children? I get asked a well, lot, I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to. Because, you know, I'm a crumb, so we just say whatever. Um, it always shocks me, the parents that come to me and, and come to me and say, I don't understand why my child is not being faithful to the Lord. Now, a lot of times, I mean, let's face it, kids, I mean, you know, kids are kids, right? My, my, you know, they have sin nature, and man, they love playing with that sin nature. But a lot of times, you see that families, you see that the parents aren't faithful to the Lord. You know, right? The big thing in our community is sports. You see many, especially young boys, that are really good at baseball, but are not really good at being able to tell you what righteousness is and what it means to be justified by faith and not by works. Because parents put the emphasis on on the sports. Let me ask you this Are you putting emphasis on being faithful to the Lord before your children? And just as Abraham here, you're not going to succeed every time. But at the same time, we see that Abraham at least succeeded enough that Isaac followed in his footsteps. We see in verse 10, following through 19, that Abraham was provided for. It says that Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife and went to slaughter his son and then was stopped. Abraham, Abraham, hold up. And notice Abraham's response. Abraham did not wait. He wasn't like, hang on, God, let me go ahead and finish this and then I'll come back to you. Here I am. The Lord says, I've seen that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. I know that you fear God. And Abraham looked up, and in the thicket was a ram caught. Now rams don't get caught in thickets. That's a miracle right there enough. He takes the ram, he replaces his son Isaac and he slaughters this ram and he calls this mountain the Lord will provide. Now, I do want you to see something in this passage. What did uh, Abraham originally tell his son Isaac would be provided? A lamb. And yet we see right here that it is not a lamb that is provided, it is a ram. So the question comes down to why is there a difference right here? We see Moriah would later, uh, there would later be a city built on top of this, this area. That city today is known and known back then as Jerusalem. And it was on this mountaintop that eventually sacrifices would be made for Israel. Because this is the, the mountaintop near where the temple mount was, 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 was located. And throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, we see time and time again that the people come to the temple in order to make sacrifice, and yet they continue to have to come time and time again because it does not fulfill, it does not satisfy God's wrath. But there was one time that God did provide that righteous lamb that can take away all sin. You see, it was one time that, that God sent down his son Jesus to live the perfect life that we should live, to die the death that we deserve, that God poured out all of his wrath on him, and then three days later rose him from the grave, thus defeating death and defeating sin. And because of that, he calls us to faithful obedience to him. It's Jesus in our place. That perfect lamb was provided, and the Lord did provide. So, what does this mean for us? The application here is easy obedience begins today. Obedience begins today. Just as Abraham was immediately following whatever God commanded, so shall we. Be. At First Baptist, we must follow the Lord immediately in our own individual personal lives. When the Lord calls us to a great work, we must respond immediately. When the Lord calls us to perhaps something that seems crazy, we must respond immediately. And let's face it, there are going to be times when we are called to do crazy things. I don't know if you recognize this. Abraham was just called to sacrifice his son Isaac. We're going to be called to crazy things. Uh, in my life, the Lord called me from Panacea, which right there is a miracle in and of itself, uh, especially from the Crumb family, called me from Panacea, sent me to North Carolina. I went, okay, Lord, I, obviously I'm not going to stay here in Waculla County. Send me wherever you're going to go. Take me to the nations. You know where God ended up placing me? Right back in Panacea. There are some times that God's playing. You look back. You look at it whenever he calls you to it, and you go, God, You're crazy. I understand sovereignty and all that stuff, but I just I think you're sovereign crazy, right? And then eventually we see later on, right? In 20, hindsight's twenty twenty, how the Lord lays everything out perfectly, and how it actually ends up becoming the most logical thing. But we must respond immediately. And the question then also comes down to how are we able to respond immediately? I was talking to my grandmother. I don't know if you've heard. We had a lot of stuff happen over the past couple weeks. Like within two days, uh, I had my daughter born. My son caught COVID. My mother was found unresponsive, sent to the ER. Uh, Like all kinds of stuff came up right on. And my my grandmother, who's probably the most faithful uh, Christian witness in my life, uh call we were on the phone talking and she said i, I don't understand uh i understand that I, I can have faith in the lord but i don't understand how i can have faith in the lord i know he's going to be good but i i just don't understand like how is that foundation there and i told her i said the reason why we can have faith in the lord's promises to us is because the Lord has already been faithful to us. See, our main problem is not if we go to the ER. It's not if our children come down with some sort of disease or uh, impair uh, something uh, that impairs them. Our, our main issue is not what happens in Washington and uh, in, in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, or whatever, the Daily Wire, or whatever. Our main issue is that we are sinners and we deserve death and we deserve wrath. And yet God was faithful to us in sending us a replacement. He sent us the lamb to take away that punishment that we deserve to give us life and to give it to to us fully. And you see, he's already been faithful to us once. We can depend on the Lord's promises in our lives, especially when he calls us to the insanity because he has already been faithful to us. So the question we have then is, Will we follow immediately? Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord. We praise you for your word. We praise you for your goodness to us. Father, we praise you for, for being faithful to us so that way we can be obedient and knowing that we don't have a blind faith, but Father, that you have displayed to us time and time again your faithfulness oh. through the work of the salvific work of Christ. Lord, we pray as we go into this time of invitation that this would be a time for us to reflect, Father, to repent, Father, to be encouraged to continue forward. Father, I pray that you would be with us as we go into this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, CrawfordvilleFBC.com.